Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Hello, everyone. It's that time for the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, where we answer questions about technology, explain the way they should work, and why they don't sometimes. And now here's your host, John C. Morley. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome once again back to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show where you get to learn all about technology and we get to talk to some people from around the world about their views and about some of the things that they're involved in in regards to technology, policies, procedures, and even people sometimes. And we talk to some great authors and it's great to have you, Marcus Hart, as my co-host. It's nice to see you again tonight. Oh, it's just a pleasure to be back with you and just join this great platform here with you, my friend. Yeah, so we have a great show here tonight. Uh, We have an amazing scientist who's going to be coming on a little later in the show, Dr. Farshid uh, Pavlani. Hopefully I'm now pronouncing his name correctly. I'm really excited to talk to him. I had a pre-talk with him, so I'm really interested to uh, talk to him about sustainability. But, you know, Marcus, we're, we're starting to open up the world a little bit with COVID and vaccines are starting to come around and things like that. But I think the bottom line is that people are still looking for hope. You know, they're looking for hope everywhere. And I don't blame people looking for hope, but there's one gentleman who really is bringing some hope. A Lakewood resident develops an application, Marcus, that coordinates organ transplant transportation. Oh, this is nice. Boy, talk about something that is needed right now in the world uh, where people feel like they need these things delivered with urgency. He's filling in the gap here. Uh, There's a a veteran emergency and flight paradigmic, Sim Shane, founder and CEO of Paraflight EMS and aviation and organ flights, uh, keeps his eye on the clock when he and his crew are making an organ transplant flight. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, you know, the, they only have so many hours and minutes to get it there or the organ may not be usable when it gets to the donor. That's terrible. Just even thinking about that. Yeah. Who, who, who do even would have knew that? I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh. This, this comes to us from a connection that I have in New Jersey uh, learning about this. And uh, so he created a software application uh, that's available by right now on the iPhone and the Android platform. And it allows dispatchers to collect critical information uh, basically, and the app is aimed at interested physicians, pilots, ambulance drivers, nurses, and others who are involved. Uh, but via the app, um, and I quote, we give the aircraft operators the ability to sign up and their schedulers and dispatch will commit to the flights. In addition, we arrange for ground transports as well for the transplant teams to the airports and to the transplant centers. That is just remarkable, uh, Marcus. I think that is really an amazing app. Uh, The way that they're able to do this and coordinate with commercial flights. And it's very critical to be able to get these things somewhere, not only safely, but within a certain, sometimes narrow time frame. 
this is going to lessen the hassle with this and save so many lives. I'm just thinking about the lives that's going to be saved from this. Yeah, so you're going to be able to uh, download this application, this transplant application. There isn't too many others like this on there. And, uh, you know, whether you're talking about heart and lungs, did you know they only last up to six hours? It's not long. No, and kidneys last up to 36 hours. So they have a little more time. And mm-hmm. a liver has 15 hours. But the heart and lungs, they really got to, you know, double time it. Yeah. And in a country where they have, I think, about 113,000 people that are now on a waiting list for transplants, dozens of organs are being discarded because they can't reach their destination in a condition that's still alive and able to be used for the transplant. Wow. That is just mind blowing. And just to think that we're in 2021 and we thought we would have had this figured out. And and now this comes along. This is great news. It's a logistical problem. You know, a lot of people, whether it's uh, medical or other type of shipping, we don't really think about the value of logistics. But when it comes to somebody's life, it's a lot different than whether a package is just going to get there because we're anxious. Mm-hmm. This basically has someone's life on the line, and it's all in the mercy of somebody being able to drive a plane safely or get ground transportation to and from navigating traffic lights. Yes, they're in ambulances, but still they got to get on a plane. They got to go through an airport. There's just a lot of red tape, Marcus, they got to go through. Yeah, and sometimes it's just a matter of just a signature that needs to be signed off on something uh, or, or just knowing who's the proper channel to, to follow through uh, to get these things moved uh, in the right direction so it doesn't go elsewhere or so it doesn't have these delays. Uh, you know, having been a logistic guy myself uh, in the military, I, 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 oh, wow. I saw this uh, firsthand and you know, I know what this looks like you know, when you have backup orders and those sort of things. Uh, but like you said, we're dealing with lives here and these things got to be pushed along a lot more faster. I have been very privileged being a first responder and you know, learning about triage and also dealing with people. And one thing that I never knew when I got started several years ago was when you hear somebody complaining, our human nature would say to take care of them first. Right. Right. But actually that's not the people we should be taking care of. It's the people that can't complain. that can't speak. that can't yell. that can't cry because they're in more dire need of emergency attention. Mm-hmm. So when you triage people, you have to block out what sometimes the emotions want to do and do what's best for saving the most amount of people in the little amount of time. That's true. I like that. Uh, I think what you just said there, you know, speaks a huge volumes and boy, you, you drive some nuggets tonight for the, for the audience to really take into consideration here. And, and they're all calorie-free, by the way. So you can have as many of these nuggets as you'd like. <laughs> there's, no gold, there's no golden arches uh, here. Yeah. And uh, they're not fried, any of these uh, nuggets. <laughs> yeah. No, no fats here. So that's great. So good. But, uh, you know, there's uh, scientists now that have developed a message display fabric. This is pretty cool. 
So it's a wearable, foldable, washable fabric that can actually display flashing messages or an image. So uh, you're probably saying to yourself, well, gee, it's only a scarf. What good is that going to do? But again, it's wearable, it's foldable, and it's washable. Uh, and it's a fully functioning display. It can flash messages or images and even be used with a keyboard. Hmm. This particular fabric is uh, described actually to be able to help teams. And a gentleman by the name of Hushang Peng, a professor in the Department of uh, Macromolecular Engineering at uh, Shanghai's Fudan University, uh, has been working on this. And he believes it could revolutionize communication. And I quote, help individuals with voice, speech, or language difficulties to express themselves to others. That's interesting. Yeah, this uh, multi-function that it has here, uh, the this can go a long way. Um, yeah, it, it can say hi to someone. It can have your name on there. It can have an ID number. Yeah. It can show a number. Uh, maybe it can be used to do sign language. You know, I'd like to show symbols. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah, and I can see this being used, you know, uh, again in the military too, uh, when you're in, in locations where you, you have to be uh, silent and, and secluded um, and you don't want the enemy to, you know, um, uh, hear you. So this, yeah, this can definitely be great, you know, um, in that respects too. But yeah, for, but for the original intent, I love it. And the thing that's also very interesting is that wearable electronics is really advancing uh, in our world for being able to have this on our body and use it. And there was another study published not too long ago uh, that described a wearable microgrid powered by the sweat of the wearer. Hmm. And uh, this is really going to change things. And although, you know, they're often fragile and prone to damage, uh, as we've seen in the past, they're saying that now these new devices are going to be a lot more resilient. You can uh, wrap them, you can tie them, and they're still going to function. I could see this being great. Maybe there's an emergency and you need to flash uh, red to someone as a danger or maybe a caution sign. I see a lot of value in this, Marcus. That is great. I, I'm just kind of curious uh, uh, behind the, the power that's driven, driving this thing, you know, uh, and I think some of the the audience might be uh, curious too. So you know, just based on the article, you know, what, what type of power are we talking about here that, you know, that's giving this thing to, to work the way it works? Well, uh, they're saying that it's, it's a microgrid uh, by the sweat of the wearer. So this is going to be able to operate based on your body. Now, they do have ones that it says they can have batteries for. Uh, you know, LCD and LED don't really take up, you know, much power. But I think this is going to be a new technology because you have to remember something. It's flat. Right. And they're saying that you can wash it. Now, this is interesting because when they say you can wash it, are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just wonder, does that mean we have to take out the electronics or are the electronics washable? Because they're saying it's a fabric. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So th- that is, if, if, it's, if, it's, if it's able to be washed and you, and you still can have the, the power inside of it, that's, that's definitely revolutionary in itself. So I, I'm just, just uh, kind of excited about, you know, what we're doing here in terms of technology. Yeah, I'd like to see what one of these actually looks like. I don't think they're in the store, you know, no. actually yet. But it's not uh, like you can get this on Amazon. <laughs> I don't think you're going to find it there tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, this is going to be something we'll have to keep our eyes on. I mean, there's a lot happening. And I think this would have been great during COVID for people to have masks that actually had phrases on them. I know I saw some of those, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they were very bulky. Yeah, uh, so uh, you got a good point there because it is kind of hard to hear people through masks nowadays. So uh, just to have one of, uh, one of these for a mask in place, you know, over your face, uh, this would be great. And, and people won't, would have, not have a need to talk anymore. And they were actually doing some tests. There were some beta masks, but they haven't really made it to mass production where people could talk by um, using the mask. And when they talk, it would actually have a speaker uh, in the actual mask. Hmm. So if you were talking low, it could actually project. Because if you're wearing a mask, it's hard to hear yourself. So they had like a space so you could talk and the voice system could actually transmit outside of a speaker that's uh, on the mask. I will really love one of those because I'm a soft-spoken person when you catch me outside of the mic. So... I would love to have one of those if they <laughs> bring those into existence. So uh, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of great, uh, you know, technologies, I think, coming up the pipe. Uh, yeah. And uh, another one you might have heard before is QR or a, a QR code. They call it a quick response code. And I quote, mm-hmm. it's a type of matrix barcode or two dimensional barcode. First designed in 1994 for the automotive industry, and guess where? In Japan. A barcode is a machine-readable optical label that contains information about the item to which it is attached. Now, you've seen these a lot on uh, cell phone packages. A QR code is something simple that you scan with your phone, and then it usually brings you to a website or launches an app or something of that nature. But let's take another perspective, Marcus. Imagine for a moment QR codes that are linking to people's health passports. Well, China's tech arsenal has this already. Daily life in China follows a rhythm of a digital check-in with the QR code at the office, malls, and transport hubs. Mm. Yeah, this is definitely (laughs) in itself 
I can see how it would help to slow down uh, COVID, you know, in, in such a congested area that is China. Uh, so, uh, but the quote unquote health passport, uh, this, this kind of scares me <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> well, absolutely, Marcus. It gets into what I call privacy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the way it works in China is you basically scan a QR code and you have to get a green pass in the health app. Mm-hmm. And it's common practice for them to be used at offices, restaurants, shopping malls, sports centers, and transport stations. Now, in the United States right now, and I'm speculating, but just to be able to get on a plane, and I had mentioned this a while back, I was always getting tests before I flew on the plane for my own better health and because I'm a responder. Mm-hmm. Other people were not doing that. Right. Now, United has mentioned that you have to either have a vaccination card showing that you're vaccinated, or you have to have your results from your test showing that you're negative. Wow. You know, this is really starting to pry into privacy a, a lot. You know, it's, it's just like asking somebody, you know, uh, how many partners have you slept with in the past couple of months? And, and, and did you catch anything, you know, um, it, you know, so like this to me, it, it really, it really, it's really borderline because if they can ask you that and get away with it, you know, uh, it really leaves the door open for other things that they can ask you. Yeah, it's not the asking that I have the problem with. It's who they're sharing the information with, because yeah. there might be some validity to ask me something for a medical app. However, who does have access to that and who doesn't have access to that? Exactly. And are they using that to exploit us and possibly get millions of dollars or larger because now they have a captive audience since they know that I'm positive or some other condition about me? And I think that's just unfair. Yeah, it's very unfair because once you bombard it with with all of these, these different, you know, phone calls and different you know then your emails already bulky enough and and now you're getting bombarded with more emails and you're wondering well how do these people get a hold of hold of my social security number and all of this different stuff and it it gets it gets pretty troubling at that point your information is all over as we know yeah and not to get into this too deeply but there was a lady this was a show and it was based on a true story where she actually had lost her job and she actually stripped a man that was doing very well financially of his identity. Mm. She called him up, warning him about a security risk, saying that, you know, you don't want to lose your identity right now. So we need to get you signed up with this program right away. And she asked him for his social security number and his credit card number. But it gets better. She then has the information and now she can print credit cards on demand in his name. (laughs) It took him months before he was able to get his identity back 
And when he finally met her, she said, I'm sorry, but it's nothing to do with you. You're just another number. And I do this all the time. Wow. That's something to chew on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. All right. On a little lighter note, they're trying to get, I guess, a little bit more green, (laughs) no pun intended, apartments made from waste glass and textiles are using green ceramics. The kitchen uh, splashbacks, uh, the front, the islands of the kitchens, and they're starting to put together apartments using waste materials. And they're saying this can revolutionize the home construction uh, industry. And uh, it's going to make a change and help people save money because it's going to now have a green uh, tag, unquote, unquote, to it. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you want things green? I don't know if I want my kitchen green. <laughs> I, no, can, can, people still want options. Uh, but I, I can see the doing it for just the, the greater good of mankind. But at the end of the day, this we still want options, and we still want like our like our own colors and like our own tastes. I'll give you an example. You're building a cafeteria for a school, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost you seven million dollars. Well, by us doing it green, we might save half a million, hypothetically. So that might be a reason, because again, they're only in the cafeteria for a short period of time. Maybe some labs, maybe. Uh, pharmaceutical companies might use it to construct the labs of their islands, possibly. Yeah, this this type of stuff makes sense. You know, but when it comes to somewhere where you're going to be dwelling at uh, for a while, you know, you, you kind of want to make your home your home. And and if you're not happy with green, you, you, you may not want it. Now, we were touching on a topic before called wearable microgrid. But if you noticed, I was deliberately hedging that topic. And the reason is, is because it was coming up later in the show. So a wearable microgrid. Uh, Nano engineers at a university in California have developed a wearable microgrid that harvests and stores energy from the human body to power small electronics, Internet of Things devices that you may have on your person at any time. All the parts are flexible, washable, and can be screen printed onto clothing. So this is going to change things a lot. The wearable microgrid is built from a combination of flexible electronic parts, and they were developed by the nano bioelectronics team of the UC San Diego nano engineering uh, department by Professor Joseph Wong. Say that a million times fast. (laughs) Uh, And he is the director of the Center for the Wearable Sensors at the UC San Diego and corresponding author on the current study. Each part is screen printed onto a shirt and placed in a way that optimizes the amount of energy collected. They call them biofuel cells and they harvest energy from the sweat that are located inside the shirt at the chest. Hmm. So that device we were talking about before could use this technology to not use any type of uh, uh, outside power. Yeah. 
And it's it's interesting because this wearable microgrid uses energy from humans. You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner sweat and movement to power an LCD. So not only is it sweat, but it's also movement. And when you combine both of these together, uh, you get something interesting and uh, they do make up for each other's shortcomings. Now, Yin said, and I quote, they're complementary and synergistic to enable fast startup and continuous power. The system boots two times faster than having just biofuel cells alone. And it lasts three times longer than a triboelectric generator alone. So where we're trying to go with this is saying that sustainability is one thing, but now being able to go all the way down and harness it into something else, I think that's going to make things amazing. Yeah, it really is. Uh, this is kind of what people were looking looking forward to and, you know, uh, something that um, we kind of saw in sci-fi movies, and now here it is. Uh, it even has to look, <laughs> you know. And everybody's going to walk around look, looking like a Power Ranger. Tribal electric generators basically give off power right away as soon as the user starts moving, um, and before breaking a sweat. And then once the user starts to sweat then what we call the biofuels start to provide even more power. So if the user stops moving, they still have a way to uh, gain power. That's pretty ingenious if you ask me. It is. This is uh, a pretty, pretty cool uh, invention here we got here. So this is great. The question is, how much have they tested it, Marcus? That's what I want to know. Are there any side effects with it? I mean, you have to think about these things. Yeah, uh, it makes you think about Iron Man. So <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Iron Man had, had an issue. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that that'll be a good, real good. Question. I don't think somebody that has a pacemaker would want to wear this. Obviously, no. you know, you wouldn't want to uh, wear it. Also, I bet it would cause some uh, a little bit of fun or more than a real party at the airport yeah. going through security with one of these devices. What the heck is this? Oh, this is my biofuel suit to power my laptop while I'm on the plane. Okay, sir, can you take that off? Huh? Well, it's under my shirt. Oh, okay. Would you like a private screening? <laughs> we laugh, but, you know, there's coming a time when it's becoming hard to separate what's legitimate technology and what's technology that could possibly become a weapon. Yeah. Oh, boy. Now, 
many of us are attending conferences. I'm sure you attended Zooms and other events online. I think just a few weeks ago, you were attending one of your children's uh, teacher's conferences. Yeah, with another one coming up soon. <laughs> another one coming up soon. And maybe it's just you and another person, or maybe it's just you. Well, now, if you're in a group or a meeting, imagine being able to have a robot decide who to interact with based on the one that's not interacting with them or paying attention. So how do you do that? Well, that's a great question. The robot keeps track of your stare glance. Hmm. And when it sees that it's not balanced, it engages you. Hmm. I'm pretty impressed with that, Marcus. Yeah, I am too. This is uh, it's real key, you know, uh, for a connection. I, I think oftentimes uh, when you have someone who's a keynote speaker, someone who is uh, presenting, or perhaps in this case, maybe even a teacher, uh, they may not be as good as what the robot is trained to do to uh, engage the audience and encourage the participation. I think with the robot, it's going to learn a certain set of behavior. Mm -hmm. And a human could become tired if they were teaching for X hours. A robot would be able to perform that task for many hours before needing a recharge. Yeah. And it would do it a lot more efficiently. That's going to be a very interesting thing. And I want to make a quote from them. If someone is not inclined to participate for some reason, we showed that gaze is able to overcome the difference and help everyone to participate. That's pretty amazing, Marcus. It is. It, it's the power of um, when to utilize it and how to utilize it, which is what these robots are going to be ultimately trained to do. And boy, I feel sorry for some teachers that may be out of some jobs if the robots are <laughs> doing better than them. So I think all this comes back to one main point. Mm -hmm. And that is the fact that technology is reshaping our lives. Yeah, totally. We've seen that, you know, there's a, uh, different types of technology products that people can wear from IOT to now having your own bio cell uh, that can be right on your body. But when they actually take these things like movement and sweat, they're storing them into some type of battery because those aren't directly energy, right. but they're using this special generator to be able to do that. So I think that's pretty uh, neat. Speaking about you know, neat things and, you know, really having technology that is sustainable and understanding our world. My next guest, who I'm very pleased to have join us, uh, his name is Dr. Farshed Pavlani. And uh, he is a very interesting person. We're going to get to talk to him. He actually talks a lot about sustainability and sustainable solutions for industry profit and longevity. So what he does in a nutshell is he helps companies figure out what they need to do 
to take the waste of that product and turn it into something else or create less waste and allow us to use that to preserve our environment. I think that's pretty neat. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Dr. Farshed uh, Pavlani from uh, who's gone to Tokahu University and he's joining us from around the world. I'm very pleased to have him with us tonight to talk to us about sustainability, our business and our environment, and of course, the planet that we're on. Well, hello everyone, it's John C. Morley with the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, and I am so pleased today to to have Dr. Farshid with us on our show. Thank you so much, doctor, for joining us today. We uh, greatly appreciate it. Thank you, John, for having me on your show. Thank you. It, it is our pleasure. And you have quite a background, I have to say. You know, I want to ask you one question. How did you get into this field of sustainability, energy, and waste? I mean, what got you so passionate, you know, to want to do this? So uh, my background and my study was in the material science and engineering. And I always was obsessed about the material. And whenever I see a product, I want to know that what material it made of. Uh, but then slowly I realized that when we have, we, send, we call the material as a waste or product as a waste, uh, that product is reached to its end of the life. But the material itself is perfectly good material, and we can use it again and again. So that's why I become obsessed about the wastes and obsessed about the how we can, these, which we call it as a waste, we can bring it back to the economy. We can reuse it and produce a product out of it and keep it in the economy more and more. And that's why I'm now very passionate about this material. So when you talk about this, it's, it's really fascinating. What is it for our viewers here tonight, if we want to just break this down for them in just simple terms, what's an example of this type of chain or something that most of our viewers could probably relate to? Mm -hmm. So imagine a textile. For example, we have these clothing and we wear them. But when we, that, that, for example, come out of the fashion or is basically wear and tear, we call it as a waste and we put it into the bin and it goes to the waste. But when you look at it closely, the fibers into these textiles are still very good fibers. It's still good quality material that can be reused again. But because its function as a textile, its function as a, its function as a closing has been finished, we call it waste. But if you look at that and we see that how we can reuse those fibers in other product or in other application, for example, in, we can use them into the producing acoustic material for building. So they, in that case, we don't call them the waste. We, we can call them as a resource. The function as a the closing has been finished, but we can use them to produce another product in another application. So... Okay, so basically, if I want to simplify this for everyone, it's taking a product, if we would say that whether we have garbage or whether we might have a TV set, 
and there's things in that TV set, or let's take a hard drive. Everybody knows what a hard drive is, uh, digital or the mechanical ones. You actually take apart the hard drive and you take apart the components so that you can reuse those components to different things like energy, um, et cetera. Is that the, the type yes, of line? That, that, that's, that's, uh, that's one aspect of it. For example, let, let's continue on the hard drive. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. So we have the hard drive. The hard drive has some metallic components, some polymer inside, and there are some of them is mixed together. If we just want to separate one by one from that, it's actually become a little bit difficult. Because, for example, some of them you can easily separate them, but some of them is so entangled together and you cannot separate them individually. And it took a lot of, for example, money, energy to separate them individually. And that's a barrier at this moment. And that's why the people are not recycled them and they, they, it's more cost effective to send them to the landfill. But if now we change our mind, we look at them as a whole, as a compound. For example, if you have the different metallic material and polymer together. And we see that how we can reform them to a new material. Then you can find a cost-effective process, which is economically viable. But at the same time, you can use the material into that to produce a product. For example, you can produce new alloy for other applications. You don't need to necessarily use the hard drive separate them and again produce a hard drive but you can use the hard drive and produce for example copper based alloy or you can produce another component which is useful so that that's a whole idea of the reforming so we can recycle when we can but if for example we reach the limitation then we can use the reforming or we can use other techniques to again keep these material into the economy is there a standard? I know you've obviously engineered a lot in this, but is there a certain process? Like in manufacturing, there's like a 3.0, a 4.0. Is there a standard that was written for this that companies have to follow or have to administer, or is that still being developed right now? So still it's, it's in the development. So there is, unfortunately, there is no standard on that. And also, not, not only on the procedure to recycle them or reform them, but also, there is no standard on the product that's made out of recycled material. So that, that's a limitation, and that's a barrier for the companies to reuse the material or recycle them at this moment. When I think about recycling uh, and sustainability, one of the big ones that comes to my mind are two things, uh, solar panels and also car washes. People say, gee, you're crazy. Car washes waste a lot of water, don't they? And solar panels seem like they have a certain amount of life, but then they're thrown away. Um, also light bulbs. So can you talk to us a little bit about what would be the process of making sure that's correct? Because I'm sure a lot of these are going to be found in landfills very soon. Yes, yes. So the solar panel is is very, is, um, very challenging at this moment. Why? The technology is very good. Producing the electricity, renewable energy is, is perfectly fine, is very good. 
But the way they design these solar panels, unfortunately, is not recyclable. They are so embedded together and that there is no solution to And that's why we call them as a emerging challenges. In next five to six years, the number of these solar panels that coming for as a waste and going to the landfill is increasing drastically. And there is a huge amount of the good material in that. For example, in 100 kilogram of the solar, uh, in 1,000 kilogram of the solar panels, we have around 600 kilograms of the very good glass. We have around 180 kilogram of the aluminum, and we have 0.6 kilogram of silver in them. And all of them is going to the landfill. So that, that's a barrier. <clears throat> Normally, when we design a product and we want to bring a product, we don't think about their end of the life. And we design them just the, the, the best way that at that moment we can to have the performance. But if we think also about their end of the life, then we can design them better. So that's an emerging challenge for solar panels. And that's why now one of the work that we are doing and focusing on is to find a way that we can take these very good material in the solar panels, bring them back into the economy. And I bet that's probably very uh, expensive right now because not everybody's doing that, right? It's a, it's something yeah. that's emerging. I mean, it will become more cost effective. How about as far as like car washes and water and things like that? Is there a sustainability to that or not really? Because I know they just have a lot of waste there. Uh, some yeah. of them don't recycle the water. Um, is there anything that can be done with water or not really? Yeah, there, there is a lot of good, in, in the case of the water, there is a lot of good water treatment processes that is already available. So they can basically capture the water, they can filter them, they can process them and reuse them in their same process. The problem is because the cost of installation of that is higher than the cost of the water they use for in the system. So that, that's a barrier. They, they don't want to uh, put the investment up front and then get the benefit later. So, that, so that's it's almost like the government, yes. the government needs to put some type of a, I guess a rebate or an incentive uh, to get people to want to do these things. Do you see things like that coming in the future or not for a while? No, I think the, in some cases they are coming. For example, in the solar panels now, because the government, especially in the country like Australia, which I am in, so because we have a lot of solar farms and a lot of solar panels is coming. For example, the companies, the government putting some uh, incentives, they put some money in that to find a solution. For the water also, the countries that they have less water resources, now they're putting this, this legislation and these barriers. But some of the countries, no, because they don't see the need for that. And they, they haven't realized that the water is the precious and they have to protect that. And you make a very good point in a lot in a lot of your articles that you talk about where you refer to the the point that, you know, we are on a land um, or maybe on a farm and we don't really understand, you know, what needs to be done to preserve our resources so that we have clean water, we have the proper food. And uh, I think that's that's a problem. A lot of people, I guess, they just take it for granted. And uh even at lots of cost, people don't realize that 
you know, it's very similar to drilling oil, right? When there's no more oil to be drilled, well, what do you do? No amount of money in the world could get any more oil back. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that that's, that's a good point that you mentioned. I always refer to that. So imagine that we are living in a farm and we have to produce our food and we have, leave, we have to live there for six months. Mm-hmm. And there is no connection between us and outside that farm. And we have to produce our food. We have to have the resources. We have to ha- use the water is there. So what we are doing, we are, if, for example, we are, we are supposed to live into that farm for six months and survive there, are we going to take care of that farm? Are we going to take care of the trees inside that, the food that produce and land? Or we are going to damage it in the first one month, chop all the trees, burn them, and make the energy, and destroy the water, and, and then the rest, we don't have anything. So if you realize that we are doing the same in this planet, so we are we have only this planet that we, there is no other way that, for example, we damage this and then we pack all suitcase and go to the, another planet. <laughs> so we, we have the limited resources. We have just this in our hand. So and if we damage this planet, so we basically uh, damage ourselves because our survivor is linked to the survivor of this planet. So if we realize that, then we are we are going to take care of the planet. We are, we are going to understand and, for example, use whatever we can to damage this planet less. But the problem is we haven't realized that point yet. We think that whatever we do, the resources is uh, unlimited. We, can, we have a lot of, for example, water. We have land. We have trees. And we can do whatever we want and produce those things that is comfortable for us. I love the point you make, uh, Dr. Farshid, where you say that, you know, we have to walk in nature. Uh, I always love taking my hour walk every day, but how many people actually take time out of their day to literally, like I say, unplug from technology? Uh, Being an engineer, I think it's important that we do unplug. And when I take that walk, I still have technology on me and I listen to music or meditations, but there's no phone calls coming in during that time. There's no me checking texts or checking emails. I'm just allowing the uh, sounds and the meditations to just allow me to just be. Yes. Yes. So I think when we get to appreciate things, that's the only time when we start to respect nature, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And, and that's the time that when we connect to the nature and we, we realize that, we are part of this planet. We are part of this nature. We realize that, for example, our food is coming from this land and we, we should take care of it. So that's the point. When we go to the nature, is is helping us to relax, is helping us to, for example, have the, for example, the better way of thinking. But at the same time, is we realize that we have to take care of this planet because or survival is linking to the survivor of this planet. Fascinating. I wish more people would, you know, take time, not just for the environment, but also for themselves. Uh, when you take that time out to take a walk, I always say the creative juices uh, in your mind start to flow because, you know, you're not looking at the board. 
Uh, as we've been taught many times in school, when we can't solve something, walk away from the problem and forget yeah. about it. Then come back to it. And the problem just sort of seems different. And, oh, why didn't I think about that before? But with all this coming up, a doctor. Uh, Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303 292 9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Is it really possible to restore our economy and remove waste, or is that a fallacy? No, no, it's possible. For example, the, the reason I always uh, like to mention that is the people, and the, for example, the, those people are in the manufacturing or in the businesses. They think that the economy and making the money is opposite to take care of the environment and uh, having less waste. And that's why we are not taking care of an environment. That's why we are not moving toward the sustainability because we are economically driven. We want to make the profit. But I believe that these two is actually can go hands in hand. One of the examples, for example, mm-hmm. you, you are manufacturing a product. You're manufacturing, for example, a, a computer or manufacturing a plastic, very simple plastic container. Mm-hmm. So there are two scenarios in that. One, you go and buy the virgin material from the, for example, mining the product, make the product, buy the virgin material and produce that product. And another scenario is that you have in your surrounding, there is a lot of waste plastic, for example. If you can take those waste plastic and convert them to your product, then in the second scenario that you are taking the waste from surrounding area, you cut the, for example, transportation, you cut the cost for the paying the money for buying the product. You even, the, the, for example, those waste company, they pay you to take their waste. Okay. So, All right. so it, now, it, make, it makes sense. And now, yeah, you are trying, for example, that product, that material you are recycling to the new product. So not only you are helping the environment, but also you are making more money. So we can have both economically driven. We can have the economy and we can have the sustainability. The only thing is we look at the waste differently. We don't think, for example, if we want to take that material, it costs us a lot, but we can buy this cheaper. There is a there is new way that the trad- instead of the traditional way, which you can make the money and also you can have the sustainable product or sustainability and you can have better environment impact. Let's take a look at the dry cleaning industry, okay? Mm-hmm. They use a chemical called uh, percolethylene, or they used mm-hmm. to for many, many years. It's now illegal uh, to use that product uh, or to have any machines uh, that have that product. There's a new green product, I believe, that they've replaced it with. And mm-hmm. supposedly that's going to make our... Uh, environment better. The only challenge has been it doesn't really clean the clothes as well. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> that's yeah. been that's yeah. been the challenge. But when you think about these types of things, and we talk about you know uh, the waste and and what's in our world, do we have a percentage of you know? what's in our world from like petroleums or uh, textiles? Is there a percentage of that? What, what is that waste percentage number roughly? So there, there is a, a huge, for example, in different areas a lot. So I, I don't have the, for example, the, for the plastic in the world or things, but for example, one thing in Australia for the textile in every 10 seconds, we are sending a, for example, truck full of the textile to the landfill. And only we, we, with the very small population. And that's the case for the, a lot of other places. So we have a lot of, for example, waste textile, we have a lot of waste plastics, a lot of electronic waste. So the number is huge. And that's why, for example, all the, if you look at the different countries, one of the things now they are mentioning is that their landfill is, is filling up. So there is no other places that they can put all this waste inside. Is this why so many uh, towns like mine, Frank Lakes, New Jersey, and other communities here in Bergen County and around the world have started to create a ban on plastic bags? And plastic mm -hmm. straws. Is, is this the reason? Is it getting into something about microplastics? And what really are microplastics? I know they can be harmful to our environment, right? Yes. So it's basically, yeah, one of the reasons is the amount of the waste. And the other one is, as you mentioned, is the microplastic and the environment side. So basically, the, for the microplastic, if you have a, a, a piece of the plastic that uh, go to the environment, go to the landfill, and you don't recycle them. What is happening to them? They, they don't degrade to the base product, the base elements, but they become a smaller and a smaller particle. So when it, the particle size becomes so small, becomes the submicron size, then we call it as a microplastic. The reason is if they can fly by the air, they can, go, they can stay in the air because they are very tiny and small. We can breathe them in, we can, the other animals and things, they can go to their body, we can eat them. And that, that's the main issue now from the health perspective. For example, a few months back, there was a research that coming out that showed, that mentioned that each of us per week, we eat equivalent to one credit card of the plastic. And imagine that wow. those plastic, we cannot digest them. It's either a stay in the system or cause the damage to us. So that, that's, a, that's a very serious issue. And I'm, I'm sure that not all the people know about that. And the good thing is now they are starting to banning this plastic, the straw, the, the shopping bag plastic and things. That's a good point to start to reducing the amount of the plastic but at the same time we have to think about the recycling the material whatever other plastic we have if we don't recycle them and we send them to the landfill we cause we produce a lot of microplastic and a lot of pollution so it's almost like you know these plastics and these different waste materials in our world we have to do something with them right we have to burn them um, we have to hopefully see that they'll be a part of a bi uh, micro or a biodegradable composite, yeah. if that's possible. 
not everything does have that ability. I know some food now uh, that the food is obviously biodegradable, but the bags are actually biodegradable after they're in the sun for so many hours. So I think our planet's taking the right uh, uh, approach to that. What do you think? Yes, yes. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I agree with you. And the, the good thing is now the awareness in the mind of the customer and the mind of the people is, is increasing. They know that there is a plastic issue. And because they know that there is, there is an issue, then the manufacturer and the supplier, they are trying to change the, the way. They are going to the biodegradable or other, other source of the input material. So that's a good thing. Another good, another thing that I, I think that slowly we are going toward that is to be aware that the, when we put the plastic or anything, because just we, we cannot eliminate the plastic totally. And we cannot, mm -hmm. for example, for every component that we have, we cannot make them biodegradable. So still we will have the plastic in the system. But we have to change the concept that we these plastic cannot be recycled and all of them should go to the landfill. There is a proven technology and there, there are a lot of other way to recycle these polymers and keep them in the loop. So I think if we are going to a good direction, we need a little bit of the speed to speed up the things and to make sure that our effort is actually come to the good scale that we can protect our environment and motivate people to do this because just the cost mm -hmm. i know of doing a waste recovery plan i think we're talking somewhere around uh 300 million dollars i mean it's it's not uh, uh inexpensive uh to build one of those i was looking at the costs and there's a lot involved uh with not just the permits and the plans but you would never think 300 million dollars to build a waste recovery plant, which is why a lot of counties and towns actually bring it to their neighbors. Or yes. in our case, they bring it off to a landfill in Pennsylvania, which we know that can't be very good. Uh, this has been really uh, educational, Dr. Farshid, but I just have two of last questions. The one question I wanna ask you is, you talk a lot about uh, denim to paper, and I just wanna understand that analogy. Can you? Give us a little quick rundown because I found that fascinating that you're always talking about that. Yeah, so th this is one of the, um, I try to basically showcase that the uh, creative idea about the waste material. For example, if, uh, one of the solution is that the denim can be transferred to the paper. And because the, the main component of those uh, is the cotton. So cotton can easily be transformed to a paper, produce the product out of it. But the main concept behind that is that we look at the waste differently. If we just look at them as a textile or as, a, for example, a, a, a denim, then we see, okay, there is no solution to that. It, it's very tearing and we have to send to the landfill. But now if we look at them as a material, we realize that they are produced from the cotton fiber. And then we, we say, wow, the cotton fiber can be changed, for example, to the paper. And that, that's, the, that's the beauty of these solutions, that we look at them differently and we see that them as a resource instead of as a waste. And that's why I'm talking about that or, or other solutions which I'm talking about. 
so it really is getting to the threads, no pun intended, of what is making the composite, in this case, cotton, uh, which actually is very logical because uh, it is the fibers of those two components. If we were talking about plastic and something else, they might have a very similar uh, analogy. Maybe it's not cotton, it's something else. But I guess you have to look at what the micro components are to these different items and then see how do you, I guess, dispose of those. You can't look at the whole item from what I'm understanding from you. You have to look at what brings the item together. Yes. Is that yes, correct? Exactly. Yes. This has been so that, that, really fascinating. Yes, that's the whole idea. Because when those components come together, they produce a product. Mm -hmm. And that product, when it's reached to the end of the life, then there is no way to look at them as a product because it's, it's done its purpose. Now we have to look deeper and see that that product made of what material, what component. And each of those material and component, what we can do with them and how we can basically recycle them. Is there a day uh, in the United States, around the world, for something that makes people mindful of how to recycle other than just general recycling is there some kind of day for this in there, there is a for example that they put some as a planet day or other things that for example the people encourage the people to think more about that but, but i don't think I, it really gets to the heart of the matter i mean it gets them to get the yeah. cursory view but it doesn't get them to dive deep like we're doing here Yes, I yes, think there exactly. needs to be another day more like uh, component uh, biodegradation day uh, mm -hmm. or uh, waste management day. Understanding, you know, do you really know what's in the stuff you're producing and how are you mm -hmm. getting rid of it? So I guess the moral of the story here, Dr. Farshid, is that you have to hire a company, basically. If you don't know what these things are that you're producing, you've got to hire a consultant uh, to basically help you. And I'm assuming that's what you do uh, to say, look, this is what you're producing. You're producing metal, but you're putting a lot of carbon dioxide, other gases into the air because of what you're doing. And now when you make this product, you're producing this. And that's why I guess a lot of these companies now, I have started to understand this, they put these silos out there and they try to cap, I guess, their waste expenditure so they could just... Um, I guess, mitigate a little bit. They can't eliminate 100%. But I guess if we all could control our waste, we could really make a big difference on the planet, couldn't we? Yes, exactly. And we can reduce a lot of, for example, emission of that. We can reduce, the, we can help the sustainability of the planet. But at the same time, the companies can get benefit. They can, they can make money out of these processes. So that that's why I'm coming from. I'm, I'm, helping the companies to realize that by these actions, they can make money. They can actually produce the profit regardless of the sustainability is a benefit. It's, it's basically the, the green product that produce. In the same process that they're doing, they can actually make money. And that's got to open up a lot of people's eyes. But the other thing I want to share with people is that if you don't uh, take the initiative to mitigate your waste, I'm sure there's going to be some hefty fines um, by some different um, federal associations and government associations that will say, hey, you know, you're above this limit 
worried of shutting you down or we're charging you a $3,000 fee per day or something like that, or maybe worse. Yeah, that, that's coming for It's not good enough at this moment, but there is, for example, like the carbon tax, tax mm -hmm. that, for example, put the carbon tax. And if you produce this much of the more carbon dioxide, then you have to pay money. For the waste, unfortunately, there is no kind of the, that fine or tax in that. But some countries, like, for example, Australia, they are increasing the price that you have to pay to send the waste to landfill. So it's actually the company they have to pay money to, for their waste to be disposed. And they are increasing it every year. So because of that, the companies like to reuse their waste because... Even if they don't send them to the landfill and they reuse it, that, that's a huge amount of the money they will save. Is there a formula, Dr. Varshad, that people should be following? Like, is it 10% has to go to landfill and 80% should be destroyed in house? Is there some type of a general formula we can give our viewers or not really? I, I like to say that 100% of your waste shouldn't go to the landfill and you have you can reuse them or you can treat them but there is not not a straightforward that for example the this number depend on the process depend on the manufacturing and depend on the type of the waste there is always variation what waste dr farshid can we not uh actually let's say uh put through a process of biodegradation or something like that. What are the wastes that basically we can't, I mean, obviously I know like some of the chemicals, they're always landfill, like, you know, like a safety clean or things like that from a dry clean plant or a chemical plant. We can't really do too much with them. Uh, dry cleaning, we can actually burn uh, or boil them out and then make it clean, but it's still, you still have a little bit of sludge and that still winds up going to landfill. What else can we not really recycle that has to go into the landfill, unfortunately? At this moment, I, I can say that those complex products, for example, if you have a few type of the plastic, they are embedded together. Or even some of the textiles, for example, the textiles, because they have the natural fiber, polymeric fiber, they are embedded together. And okay. to separate is very difficult. But in each of these cases, except the chemicals, in each of these cases, for example, if you have combination of some polymer together or textile, we are, we are introducing a term as a reforming instead of recycling. And reforming oh, means wow. that you don't need to separate them. And you can reform them to a new product instead. So it's like almost repurposing it. So like yes, you said, you yes. took the you took the fibers from the genes and you made paper and paper. maybe yes. something that had uh, been a battery might take the copper, the zinc, and that could be used for something else, either a new battery plate or maybe made in some kind of component for metal for a car or for a dash or a motor or something else. So there's lots of, I guess, yes. ways that we can uh, do what they did many years ago, which is the man of the interchangeable parts. Yes, And I think now it's changing because it's not being interchangeable as it is currently, but it's how it's transformed. So it's almost the um, waste management and the rebuilding of parts that become interchangeable in a way that really were never possible because of the uh, manner, the form they were in. It's almost like you have a gas, a liquid, and a solid, and you can change them in certain states, but there's sometimes you can't 
because of the environment or other conditions. And that's what this reminds me of is that you're not able to always change that. Uh, like let's take some of the COVID uh, vaccines right now. If you take some of them and you bring them down in temperature, well, then the product basically transforms into something yes. that could be fatal or something that could be totally useless because now the polymers and all of the different components and the chemical uh, ions uh, putting things together are not creating those same clouds. They're breaking apart. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. This is really fascinating. I hope uh, a lot of you will uh, take more time to, to research this because if you have a company or you're a citizen, you're living in the world anywhere, I believe it's our duty to take care of our country. Just like we need to preserve our ozone layer, we need to preserve ourselves. We need to take care of our country and our world because if we don't take care of it, no one else will. This has been fascinating. Dr. Farshad, is there some way um, or uh, information that you'd like to leave with our viewers if they'd like to reach out for you, or if they have more questions, would you like to share any details or any last words for our viewers? Yes, so if, if any, anybody wants to reach out, I I'm in the LinkedIn and I'm active there so they can reach out there and they can, we, we can talk more about that. And just one last thing for everybody that's viewing here, I always say this to everybody that for next time, if you want to send some, if you want to throw something into the beam, just pause for one second or two seconds and look at that and ask this question of yourself that is there any other way that I can reuse that or I can recycle that instead of throwing to the beam? And that, that's the question that we have to ask ourselves every day. Almost like when we shred paper, uh, we shred it, but then is there another purpose for that? We've taken it from now being this large pail of waste into just some fine micro uh, deposits that are probably going to be a lot uh, cheaper to dispose of and a lot easier too. Yes, and a lot of easier to recycle them as well. <laughs> a lot easier to recycle. So like uh, Dr. Farish had said, when you're going to throw something out, just take a breath, maybe count to five and take a nice big deep breath and think about where that's going to go. And is there something else maybe you can use to possibly repurpose it now or in the future? Again, this has been uh, really remarkable and we really do appreciate your time here on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. We've learned so much. I know I've learned a lot. I've always been into recycling, but I've learned so much more uh, in the time that we've had. And again, I want to thank you for coming on our show. No, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. It is our pleasure. Survived, a new podcast platform for all survivors of rape and child sexual abuse. Listen to stories of brave men and women as they talk about their triumphs and tribulations towards healing. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story on our show, then please email contact at survivedpodcast.com. Believe in the work we do here then visit survivedpodcast.com. Scroll down and click the donate link to support our show. Thank you in advance for your support. Wow. What did you think about Dr. Pavlani? I mean, that's an interesting conversation about waste, which we usually don't have 
but knowing that we can actually take a concerted effort to be you don't have to live with chronic pain downtown's health can show you a better way joint pain back pain pain that sits and waits downtown's health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy call downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992 now in lowry or downtown mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner able to manage our waste to turn it into something else uh, kind of blew my mind we need to have more conversations like this because we are totally are like missing out on the opportunities like what happens is like exactly what he describes it's like when we get rid of this stuff and we we go through through and recycle it nothing happens you know it there's zero return after afterwards uh, so we we ought to make something out of it and uh, and uh, put it back into the economy so we can make some money yeah definitely i mean if people just understand even when we're talking about these uh big stores that we know online one of them starts with an a and you know what i mean <laughs> okay. for whatever reason they actually include a higher price tag and that's because they know that things are going to be returned and a lot of things that are returned, they never get sent back to the manufacturer. Did you know that? I did not know that. So that's 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 new news for me. So, wow. Yes, that is very very new news, right? Yeah, it is very very new news. So speaking about uh, you know recycling and other things in the world, solar is making a very, very big breakthrough. I mean, we haven't heard a lot in solar in a while, but there is a solar cell breakthrough that recently um, came to our eyes. And researchers are observing a singlet fission reaction at a nanosecond time scale. So this is gonna greatly affect the efficiency of uh, solar cells and it can increase by taking the process known as singlet fission and uh, allowing that to cause even more of a reaction, which we were never to do until now. And that was a major problem. Mm -hmm. And this research group now is uh, led by lots of scientists and also the Linkoping University and Sweden has discovered what happens during singlet fission and where the lost energy goes. And the results have been published now. And it's been amazing because now that we understand where it goes, we can actually harness it so that it's not dissipated and we can use it. This is, this is great. I think this is great, real great news. Sometimes I get lost when I hear the word physics. And then, and then when I see the word chemistry, but when it's explained and and what uh, uh, this new news uh, brings uh, 
in store for us. Uh, what we know is, is that, you know, we're going to have something that's cheap to manufacture and uh, something that's going to be easily uh, more integrated into what's already existing in, in our technology. Uh, absolutely. So this is definitely not only a breakthrough, but a revolution that I think is going to save a lot of homeowners and businesses money because we're going to be able to operate solar a lot more efficiently. And that's also going to be better for our environment. And I'm sure uh, Dr. Pavlani will be very happy to hear that. Yeah, I know he will. <laughs> so, yeah. There's not a lot of experts like him that really understand our world and how to preserve what we have, those resources. People say, gee, you know, conserve electricity, save water, you know, turn off the lights we're not using them. But that's not really doing anything major. I mean, that's stuff we've been doing for eons. Yeah. Now, our friends at Instagram are going to be rolling out, which is owned by Facebook, as you guys all know, to 170 countries plus Instagram light. So this is going to be a more slimmed down version of Instagram, and it's going to allow people to use it at these other countries without needing as much bandwidth. Hmm. And the Facebook team has been working for a long time to put together an app um, in Instagram that allows people to communicate while not being, um, let's say, scrutinized by the regulators. And they believe that this is going to make everyone happy, which that's never an easy thing to do when you have regulation. No, it's not. I, I, it's definitely going to to help those who are abroad uh, be able to participate in the social sexual networking fund. Uh, so I think it's a win on that end, and it's a win. Ultimately, then it becomes a win for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. And if we get more countries on board, I think that's going to be fantastic. Well, our last story this evening, I don't know where the, where the night goes. It's a leap. And it's a really a big one to get behind the scenes of battery research and use artificial intelligence to make a battery last longer and have more efficiency. So researchers are now using scientific methods along with artificial intelligence to take this gigantic step and using this machine learning to redesign batteries from the way we've known them today. So they're gonna study basically how they're charged, how they're discharged, the life of the battery. And this new study is going to make batteries different than the way we thought. I mean, you've heard about batteries that say they're supercharged. Well, this is going to go way beyond that. Uh, and I want to make a quote here. Battery technology is important for any type of electric powertrain, said Patrick Heron. Now, senior research scientists from uh, Toyota Research Institute, and I quote, by understanding the fundamental reactions that occur within the battery, we can extend its life, enable faster charging, 
and ultimately design better battery materials. So I think that's another thing that Mr. Pavlani would like because, you know, batteries are a resource uh, that gets wasted in our environment because, you know, when they're done, they're done. But if we could make something that is consumable, lasts longer and more efficient, well, I think that would probably, you know, be top on his charts. Yeah, talking about a, a lot of waste that can be just uh, reduced, uh, it's totally a huge problem. And, and batteries, as you know, uh, when when you when you're running dead on them, and um, with way with the way the future is uh, pointing towards right now, uh, we we have to have better better battery battery technology. I agree, and it's not just the the nickel cadmium battery uh, or the other rechargeable batteries. You know, we're we're off the alkaline batteries, but we need batteries that are better. And if they're batteries that are going into our cars, well, they got to be more efficient. And when you and I think of batteries, we probably think about the batteries that are in our cell phones, maybe the batteries that are powering some internet of thing device, or maybe we're thinking about uh, batteries that just go into a flashlight. But there's a whole other world with batteries, which are things that drive powertrains, like he said. That could be your cars. That can be your wheelchairs. Yeah. There's a lot of things that this is going to help. Maybe that gives somebody who's disabled an extra few hours or maybe a day or a half a day in that wheelchair. Yeah. And, and just thinking about the, the threat of uh, ever, if there's ever a, a, a major power, power outage and you want something that's going to last long until it powers back up and running again. I went to the store, Marcus, uh, a few months ago, because we were having some power outages with the storms coming. And I bought one of those LED lights yeah. and I got it. And I have to tell you, it was already charged when I got it. And you turn it on, don't ever look at it directly in your eye, it'll blind you. <laughs> yeah. And you put that on and that's all you really need. Yeah. And the one thing I gotta tell you about that light is that battery really holds a charge. I bought it four months ago, it's still charged. That's great. So I think we're already getting better in the manufacturing process of batteries and flashlights. We look at where we've come from a bulb to now having an LED uh, bulb. But I have to make one caveat here. And that is that LED bulbs are very good for the environment. And I don't disagree about that. One thing I wanna point out to you is many years ago, and I'm always extremely healthy, I had moved into my new place and they didn't put LED bulbs in. So my friend was telling me, you know, John, you should change the bulbs. They're going to save you so much money. First of all, they're not going to save me that much money. <laughs> but I went out and bought all these bulbs for my home. And I was so happy. I was changing them, going through the process. Some of them I had to go through extra work because you had to change some things. You couldn't just change the bulb. So I spent a good couple hours changing all these bulbs. And I was so ecstatic with doing this. Yeah. And then I decided to turn them on. And then after I did that for a while, I wanted to get something to eat. So I ate. And after that, I started getting tired. And after I ate, I started to become nauseous. And I didn't really know what was going on because I was feeling fine moments ago. Yeah. And I said to myself, well, what changed? 
between now and before. Well, I turned the lights on. And I was under the lights for a few minutes. And I said, this is crazy. I got to just turn all the lights out and just lie down. And I was fine. I brought the bulbs back the next morning to the store. And they said, uh, excuse me, sir, there's no refunds. Assuming there's no refunds. Well, we don't allow refunds on those items. Well, there's an issue with them. I'm sorry. Did you see the sign? No refunds. I said, well, I don't want to return them because I don't like them. I want to return them because they got me sick. Excuse me? Well, I put the bulbs in. Oh, hold on. Let me get you someone else and we'll help you with that one. It's like, you know what that means, right? <laughs> they get me someone else. How can we help you? Well, you know, there's no refunds on the bulbs. I understand there's no refunds traditionally. He says, no, there's no refunds on the bulbs ever. Well, let me ask you a question, sir. If I bought the bulbs and I took them home, he said, you did, and there's no refunds. I said, I said, I understand that you want to tell me about the no refunds, but can you just let me speak for just a minute? I think you're going to want to hear what I have to say. Okay, but you know, there's no refunds. I'm not giving you a refund. I, I understand, sir. Just please just hear me out. I am very well, okay? I went and bought these bulbs the other day and I opened the packaging and I put them in. And he said, there's no refunds. I said, yeah, yeah, I understand there's no refunds. Just, just please listen to me. Yeah. I put them in, I had dinner. The lights were on about five or 10 minutes. He's looking at me and I started to become nauseous. And so I was feeling fine before that. So all I did was turn off the lights and lie down. I took the bulbs out, put the regular bulbs back in. I was feeling fine. It turns out certain colors of LED actually have an annoyance to the human nervous system in the body. Mm. And the white you were selling me was not the right white. This is a very aggravating white to the body. So he's not saying much. And I said, I know there's normally no refunds. I get it. This is a health issue. Maybe I should bring this up to the FDA and also the company that manufactures these and consumer uh, protection agency in my state and let them know how these bulbs have affected me and maybe even contact some of the local media because I would never want someone to go through what I went through. He looks at me for a few moments. He goes, how many bulbs did you buy? I said, my whole carriage is filled with them. He's like, how many? I said, I think about 65. He's looking at me. Um, hold on, then I'll be right back. He comes back and he has this roll and they say defective on it. He says, well, we don't issue refunds. He says, but what I can do uh, is I can mark these all defective. And for that, I can give you a refund. <laughs> so my point is, is that sometimes when technology first comes out, there's some bugs in it. There may even be some annoyances to the human body that we're not aware of yet. And that's why when LED first come out, came out, I didn't rush to buy it. This was years later. 
but mm. this store had a sale on these LED bulbs. I know why they had a sale on those bulbs because nobody wants them. Yeah. So technologies continue to shape our world as, as we grow and we progress. We just need to be conscientious of the things we incorporate into our environments. That's true. And so I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode, which is where we've talked a lot about sustainability, the future of different power cells that we even can wear on our bodies. And uh, I, I think it's going to be pretty amazing, uh, all the stuff that's basically going to be coming up the pipe. Because, you know, when you think about where we were, Marcus, many years ago, there was no thought of somebody wearing a power cell. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, maybe in the movies, right? <laughs> yeah, only in the movies. <laughs> just just, just yeah. on Iron Man. Yeah. And his power cell was probably very heavy. Much more heavier than the one we were looking at just now. Exactly. So I think that's really going to, uh, you know, change basically, you know, where we are with things. But I know we're going to escalate. But you have to realize whenever they make something, it always costs more money when they make the first one. It's just pretty much how they are. And then they gradually, uh, you know, go down in prices. They have a mass production. Next week, we have a real treat, ladies and gentlemen. We have a gentleman coming to us internationally all the way from China. This gentleman's name is Francis Kramer. A quick little uh, synopsis on him. He actually grew up in Germany. And he worked in China in sales. And I don't know if you know this, but sales is basically the lowest level you can have in China. It's like an insult to be in sales in China. It's very low level and not respected. He retired and he went back to Germany where he lived. And then he actually decided to come back to China and get his dream job as a manager. So we're going to learn all about his story. I can't wait to talk to him. But it's very interesting to get people's perspectives when they're from different parts of the country and different parts of the world. So before we end tonight, I want to just thank you all for joining us. I also want to officially thank uh, our new network that is coming on board, uh, Princeton TV. Uh, I want to thank them for now carrying our show and going out to all the students in the area and many people in the Princeton and, and that particular area. Because, you know, we're all about helping people and educating. And if you have an idea, ladies and gentlemen, for a particular show, if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please reach out to jmor.com. In the upper right-hand panel of the website, click on reach out to us. Then on the web form, contact us. Let us know what it is you'd like us to talk about. If you'd like to be a guest, more than happy to talk with you. But remember, we're all about value. So if your intent is to come on the show to sell some widgets and think you're going to make a killing, that's not what we're about here. We're about trying to share things so we can actually pay it forward to other people and help them get educated because that's what we're all here for in this world, to pass and share knowledge. If you have a product and you'd like me to unbox that, feel free to reach out to me. 
Uh, recently, we unboxed the Friendship Lamp, a unique lamp that actually allows you to communicate with other people in your friendship circle and send emotions to them by tapping the light in different ways. Although that's a fad, I think it's pretty neat, Marcus. Yeah, I think that's pretty neat too. It's not a cheap little gadget, I'll warn you. One light is under a hundred bucks. <laughs> what? So uh, we, we may talk about that later on. So again, please, ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions for us, you know, reach out to us. Please tell your friends, your family, your colleagues about our show. We've got so much great information to share with you. And I know that you're going to be extremely pleased with what's coming up because not only do we have uh, Mr. Francis Kramer, I am so very blessed to have uh, another uh, guest. But this guest is pretty amazing. He is actually an engineer and he is the first person, ladies and gentlemen, to talk on a cell phone. Tell me that's not amazing. That's beyond amazing. And I'm looking forward to that interview. That interview's going to be great. That's going to be an amazing interview. And he's going to share with us the technology advances, as well as what was it like, I'm sure, to talk on a cell phone. I can't wait to ask him. I want to know who he called. That's what I want to know. I'm going to ask him who he called, why he called them, and what did it feel like to talk on a cell phone the first time, right? Yeah. Because you know, it wasn't a cell phone like this, I'm sure, Marcus. I'm oh, sure no. it was something that weighed several pounds. <laughs> yeah. So before uh, I say goodnight to everyone, I'm going to wish you all a very happy, a very healthy, a very safe uh, uh, rest of your weekend. Remember to practice social distancing. Uh, if you do feel comfortable getting yourself vaccinated, you do the research, uh, of course, that would help. And remember that if you are traveling now, ladies and gentlemen, on many major airlines, it's not just a request, but it is a requirement to either have a COVID test within, I believe it's 24 to 48 hours of your flight and the results, or a card showing that you were recently vaccinated. Well, I wish you guys a great weekend and I'm gonna see you guys and Marcus and we'll have Martin Cooper on next Friday. Again, it's 5.30. If you miss any of these, of course, you can go back to our site and play them at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning because we have a lot of nuggets on these shows, don't we, Marcus? Yeah, indeed we do. And they're all fat free. So your dietitian won't care what time you decide to digest these uh, because I promise you they'll put no calories on your body. <laughs> so have yourself a wonderful weekend, everyone. And I will see you right back here on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show on March 19th, next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great one, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Jay Moore Weekly Technology Show, where we answer your questions about how technology is supposed to work and sometimes why you have challenges getting it to work that way. For more IT support and tips, just text IT support to 88811. That's IT support to 88811, and you'll get tips on technology. I'll see you next week right here 
on the J. Moore Tech Talk. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown.